Hey everybody, thanks for listening. This episode is the finale of season one here on the Hockey Podcast Network, but never fear, season two starts Thursday. That's right, Thursday. We're going Monday and Thursday episodes from here until the off-season. Whenever we decide that is, I'll let you know. But just to let you know from here on out, Monday through Thursday, definitely go follow at Kane's Train Pod on Twitter so you can see when new episodes come out. Subscribe to the feed. That way you don't have to wonder if they came out or not. They just come to you. And while you're there, I would really appreciate it if you rate and review. Um, we could use some more. So if you're listening, go ahead and leave a rating at least. If you want to leave a review, that's super helpful as well. Um, certainly appreciate it. Enjoy this episode with Mike Maniscalco. Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanted to tell you about an amazing graphic designer, Kyle Courtright. Kyle runs Courtright Design. It's an award-winning branding company. I've personally worked with Kyle on multiple branding design projects, and my experience was excellent. Kyle's the real deal. He's worked with brands like Toyota, NVIDIA, the Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, DR Horton, who's a big home builder, and even Olympic organizations. Kyle will carefully design and style your brand to be timeless and unforgettable in the world through design services like logo design, website, marketing design, and much more. He'll bring your brand to life in ways that stir emotion and win the hearts and minds of your audience while fueling business success. So be sure to reach out to Kyle today for a 100% free brand discovery consultation. All you have to do is inquire through his website at courtrightdesign.com. That's court, C-O-U-R-T, right, R-I-G-H-T, design.com, and you'll be all set. Again, courtrightdesign.com, C-O-U-R-T, R-I-G-H-T, D-E-S-I-G-N.com. That was difficult for me. But go check out Kyle. Thanks. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue-colored glasses from an Islander Bobo and charter member of the Inlui Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. everyone welcome back to the canes train podcast it's the stream here uh and as you can see i have with me here that side not this side <laughs> got it wrong i have with me here from the carolina hurricanes organization mike maniscalco how you doing mike zach i'm doing great thank you and uh, hopefully uh, you're gonna have a, a good holiday good thanksgiving coming up that's my plan uh we'll see if it if it happens uh we're sticking around <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you doing anything special for the holiday 
Nah, same here. Just sticking around Raleigh and uh, hopefully getting a, a call and a note soon that uh, everything will be uh, going full go for the NHL season. So I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're creeping up on December, so hopefully we could see something pop up soon. The start date's obviously January, hopeful, at least how realistic that is, 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 I, you know, I feel like everything changes every two weeks. So we could know anything. We could know nothing somewhere in between the two, who knows, but hoping for the best. <laughs> I think we all are. And I think that's the thing. It's also week to week. And, you know, Zach, I know that you've probably gotten this question a million times from hockey fans, like, when's the season going to start? When's everything going to go? And I always tell everybody, I'm like, if we knew we would tell you, you know, we're not trying to keep it some big secret, <laughs> right. but I think there's so many factors, so many moving pieces. Uh, it, you know, this isn't like a, a work stoppage. This isn't the, the players association versus, you know, management or the owners trying to, to figure out a collective bargaining agreement. We're talking, you know, two sets of governments right now because Canada is involved in this and travel and what works and what doesn't work. And then you have the individual things. And I'm not a politician, so I'm not going to get into all of that stuff. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of moving, a lot of moving pieces. And hopefully the, the folks who uh, have to make some key decisions can make them quick and uh, we would get ready to go. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's, I talked about it last week with Abby Labar. It's a very, who knows period. So like to speculate on it to me is, is almost pointless. I mean, it is yeah. pointless. I don't even know the word almost is not necessary there. Um, but like you mentioned, the, the crazy part of it is, you know, border, you can't even go over the border right now. So it looks like we're definitely yep. going to have to realign things. It looks like there's for sure going to be a Canadian um, division, which is, Kind of cool, um, but definitely interesting. Something we haven't seen, you know, in my lifetime at least, uh, a realignment anywhere near like this with these teams playing each other. So I wanted to kind of start there. I'm taking this from Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, what he reported. I think it was maybe last week. He he kind of said this is what he's hearing the divisions could be like. And I wanted to, I'm not going to break down all of them, but I wanted to break down what it looks like the Hurricanes division might be. And what I have here is, it would be the Carolina Hurricanes, Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, the Rangers, Islanders, Philadelphia, and Washington. Now, that is not as easy as a, of a division as I thought we might end up in with a realignment. What do you what do you think about those opponents coming at you? Maybe, you know, maybe just those opponents even for an extended period of time. Uh, I mean, it's going to be tough when you look at, at all of that. Tell me where the easy out is on that. And you could say Buffalo or New Jersey, but I think I think both of those teams got better this offseason. I don't think that they're better than the other teams in, in the division. Uh, the Rangers are a team that um, I know that we saw them in the, the qualifier, and clearly the Hurricanes had some great success against them, sweeping them in that Stanley Cup qualifying round. But, you know, the Ranger team – should be a little bit better from from where they were for the regular season. Uh, Washington, you know, the additions that they made, and that's just behind the bench with Peter LaViolette, Zach. You, you know that he can coach and he gets the most out of his teams, especially when he gets there for the, you know, that first year or two. So whatever is left in the tank for the Caps team, they're going to be really good. The Islanders are a pain to play against because it's Barry Trotz and his system, and yeah. they stick right to that system. You know, Philly is a – a wild card team for me. Are they taking the steps of becoming an elite team or, you know, it was last year, maybe they caught a couple of teams off guard. Maybe they finally found a goaltender. You talk about, you've never seen realignment like this in your lifetime. I mean, Philly hasn't had a goaltender since I was in middle school. It feels like so with yeah. Ron Hextall. Uh, and that was a long time ago. Uh, but 
you run down the list of, of what this division's like. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the Boston Bruins are, are in the division too. So uh, there, there's no easy outs. There's no easy nights. The, the one thing for me that I think is weird with the realignment that was put out there was that Philly and Pittsburgh got split up. And I yeah. would think that they would kind of fight. I, I figured they'd kind of fight to stay together. And then the Florida teams are in the Central Division. And that's going to be a lot if there's travel or however travel is going to be, that's going to be a lot of travel on Florida in, in Tampa, you know, to go to Minnesota, to go to Chicago, to, to go to those places where the central division, I guess, is going to be located. So there were a few things. I, again, I don't think anybody, like you said, is saying that this is set in stone. I think that there always is going to be an opportunity to, to change things or have some wiggle room. But, you know, that's that's going to be a murderer's row. For all of those teams, you know, there's not yeah. one team that I look at and I say, oh, well, they've got an advantage playing in a division like this. It's going to be if it's 60 games, you know, somebody somebody getting 90 points out of 60 games out of that division, you know, crown them the champion because <laughs> they're running a <laughs> right. gauntlet to get there. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, I, I agree with you on the Florida thing. I I expected. Almost a reunion of the the Southeast without Atlanta, obviously, but um, and then adding in maybe like a Nashville or yep. a, some other team in the Central that's at least geographically close. But I guess these days, I mean, you're flying no matter what. What really is the difference between a flight to you know yeah. Florida versus a flight to Philly? Like it's it's the same thing. So um, the interesting thing I think of is what new maybe new rivalries kind of spawn out of these uh, alignments. I mean, obviously the Hurricanes have seen. This is this is kind of a combination of the Atlantic Division and mostly the Metro Division. So obviously the Hurricanes are familiar with a lot of these teams, but the Hurricanes in Boston playing each other in the regular season a lot, you know, when they've already had uh, a couple of playoff series in the last two years now, I think, you know, we might we might start to see some blood boil a little more than it usually does with those two teams right there. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, I think uh, that's definitely what you'll see. And, and for me, you know, rivalries are, are based on a, a couple of things uh, in pro sports. One geography usually has a lot to do with it. So, you know, the Canes-Caps rivalry is not going to go anywhere. But the playoffs are really where rivalries are are born. You know, Washington and Pittsburgh became intense yeah. rivals because Washington had to get over Pittsburgh in order to to try to, to win the cup. You know, that's you got to have that that beast that's in your way. And I think we've started to see that with with Carolina and Boston. There is not a lot of of love between those two organizations and, and how they get on the ice and play against each other. So it'll be interesting if, you know, like I say, if you're only playing your division, if there's no crossover games and it's going to be a 60 game or 70 game schedule, you're talking about playing these teams, what, eight, nine times, however, it'll it'll work out to get to those numbers. So. Yeah, you'll you'll see a little bit of uh, I think aggression between those two teams, and don't rule out a a little bit of a rivalry right now between Carolina and the New York teams. I don't think that the Rangers are going to forget that they got knocked out of the the postseason by Carolina, and I really don't think that the Islanders are going to forget about that sweep from two years ago. And those games this year against the Islanders were intense. You know, the the last game at uh, Nassau Coliseum before COVID hit. Uh, for the Canes, it wasn't the last game that they played, but the last game they played against the Islanders, that was a playoff game. You know, it goes yeah. to overtime and Vincent Trocek scores the goal. And it, it had that feeling to it. So, you know, it's, it's got a chance to to create a little bit of those rivalries. But I, I think when you boil it all down, 
the main rival is still going to be there. It's the Caps. And then behind them, it's the Bruins. So there, there's going to be enough games against teams where there's some interest to see, you know, I got to play you eight, nine times <laughs> by, by game number five. I'm getting real sick of you guys. So, right. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And it'll do that. Like it'll do that all the way across the league. And, you know, for the Canadian teams too, it just from the pure hockey standpoint of it, Zach, I think, you know, Montreal and Toronto have got to play each other a ton of times. That's going to be fun to watch just yeah. from the, the fact that there's disdain between those two fan bases. And, you know, it's weird because Canada, it's either you're a Leafs fan or you hate the Leafs. There's no in between. <laughs> Correct. So yep. uh, they're, they're going to get the venom of uh, Western Canada and everybody else uh, <laughs> for a consistent basis. So it, it'll be I think it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I just I just want to get to games. I don't care what the the divisions are going to look like or what realignment is going to look like. Just uh, let's get to the the puck. But it, it's what you point to. I think it'll accentuate a couple of rivalries between some teams, and I think maybe a few where their sparks will catch fire. And it should be uh, interesting, especially moving forward in a season like that when right. the playoffs are going to be on the line. And I think the difference between making and missing the playoffs is probably going to be a, a win or two here and there against those teams. Right, exactly. Well, one, I can say that having been to Montreal recently, I can attest to the fact that everyone hates the Leafs a lot. Like it's the number one thing. <laughs> yes, the funny do. thing, the funny thing is, my friends and I went. We went to the game in Montreal. Uh, I guess it was in late February, or maybe it was right at the beginning of March. Can't remember. Um, and it was it was maybe a week after the Hurricanes have just played uh, in Toronto and won with the whole David Ayer situation. And everyone saw us walking around with our uh, with our Hurricanes jerseys on, and they were like high fiving us and saying shout out to the Zamboni driver that beat yeah. the Leafs and all that sort of stuff. So it's an interesting dynamic. That division. Yeah, that's will be that's fun by the way. Watch. I was going to say a little pro tip for everybody who travels to Montreal when, when that's allowed, just say you don't like the Leafs and you will not have to worry about a thing. You'll be, they, will, they might even make you mayor. It's that's just <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a fun city. Everyone should definitely go there and check it out. Um, yeah. And yeah. Mention you hate the Leafs and you'll be one of the most popular people in town. Uh, the other thing, the other thing that popped up recently that I wanted to touch on, because I feel like, uh, I feel like you might have an opinion on this is these reverse retro jerseys that, uh, every team in the league has dropped, um, kind of in homage to the past for a lot of teams. And, uh, you know, some of them are just older sweaters. Some of them, I mean, like Tampa Bay's just looks like their Jersey from like the Oh four season. Uh, some of them, there aren't that many differences. Some of them, like the Hurricanes, you know, are a different team or the Avalanche did the same thing. Um, so I'm wondering, what are your thoughts? Specifically, do you, have you liked a lot of these jerseys? Do you think they're a good idea? And with the Hurricanes, do you like the the Whalers throwback? What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I think it's a great idea. I really do. Because one, it, it does give a, a wink or a nod to history in the NHL for a lot of fans who might not know it. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Tampa Bay's uniforms. Uh, those were kind of the jerseys when they were new in the league where I'm like, oh, yeah, those right. were the Lightning's jerseys. I forgot that they <laughs> yeah. looked like that. Uh, and 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 if we're going to give credit, if I'm going to be Mr. Blackwell and we're going to you know judge fashion, I mean, look at the Islanders going way out on a limb. With Can you tell me the difference between the Islanders? <laughs> they haven't <laughs> yeah, had yeah. too many different ones. Uh, no. I don't know. I don't know if you remember the Gorton's Fisherman jerseys that they've had in the past. There was a huge yes. – they made one change. And I'm like, if ever there's a chance, you could bring that back and people wouldn't be mad at it. You you had it here. But as far as 
as far as the Canes go, bringing bringing back uh, the Hartford Whalers jerseys and and how they did, I, I love that. It's you know not just a white and green jersey. There's that gray look to it, and then they have the they've incorporated the colors from you know the the franchise. And look, everybody loves Whalers merchandise, and I know that people in Connecticut uh, get very upset when this happens. And I'm never one to I'm never one to tell people, hey, you know, just get over it. It's you know if your team gets ripped away uh, the way that they viewed it, they're going to be upset about it. But what people need to know. The Hurricanes have been in Carolina now as an NHL team, not as a, a hockey team, but as an NHL team longer than they were in the NHL in Connecticut. So, exactly. you know, to to at least, you know, they're not ignoring where they're from. So I think that's that's a cool thing. And uh, I love the avalanche with the the nod to the Nordique uh, and the fact that they kept it. It's Colorado colors uh, again. I don't know how people in Quebec City are going to feel about that. You know, th- those folks are probably going to be mad uh, or as angry <laughs> as French Canadians can, can get. Um, but I, I love it. And, and I, I love anything that can kind of put a spotlight on an era for hockey that maybe people don't know enough about or, you know, brings a smile to the face for the, the people who do remember it. So uh, I love the jerseys. It's one of those things where uh, if I was still collecting jerseys, I'd be the guy just take my money because that's, uh, how that jersey is. In fact, my my nephew, the second they came out, my nephew called me and goes, can you get me one? And I went, no, go on the website and buy your own. Uh, so that's even, there you go, folks. That's even for family. But I, I like it. I really do. And, you know, they're going to wear them a couple of times this season. And, you know, if it's not a full-time change, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with teams, you know, wearing uniforms that kind of reflect where they come from or, or the history of the league. So I think it's cool. I think they look great. Uh, in fact, Michael Smith and I were talking about this the other day on uh, on our podcast, uh, Kane's Cast. You know, and I don't get into the, the ranking of everything, but if you made me do, you know, one through thirty one of the jerseys, uh, you're not going too far down the list to find the Canes because I, for me, the Canes in Colorado have the two best of the reverse retros, and then after that, uh, it's you can throw them all in a hat if you want to. I like the Kings because they throw back to when Gretzky got there. When they switch from when they switch from the purple and gold to the black and silver, but they put it in the purple and gold, so that was a nice touch. So um, I thought th- I thought that Adidas did a really good job because you're, you're not going to make everybody happy, but I thought overall they did a great job with the uniforms, and, and I, you know I absolutely uh, love what they did with the Hurricanes retro with the nod to Hartford and and how it turned out. Now I think that. The fans' response to it should tell you exactly how everybody feels. It was Zach. People were really excited to see that jersey come out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, people people love the the Whalers thing. You know, I feel like it's a thing that we just didn't didn't even consider for a long time. Uh, and then Tom Dunn was like, "Why don't we, you know, sell some of this stuff?" And you know, <laughs> it did worked. It worked that way. People like it. Uh, it's it is a cool jersey. I, I do agree. I like the fact yep. that it's got like the gray element, yep. so it's not. It's not so boring. Uh, I feel like a lot of the older jerseys, yep. you know, one way or the other, if you're more of a traditional person, I like a little more design to mine than some of the just, you know, white and, you know, one or two other colors. So I think the jerseys are cool. I think the only thing I might have changed is I think it would have been really cool to put like the uh, the kind of warning flag element across the waistline yeah. in like a green and blue. I think that would have been cool as kind of a, yeah. hey, we are this team now, but, you know, respect to the to the to the old team. 
<laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, if 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 you want to go down that that road, one you could have put the warning flag along the bottom, like you said, or you put Pucky the whale on one shoulder, and then you put the either whatever logo you have that you like today. Uh, if you want to go with the one that's on the, the home reds or on the uh, the third jerseys, the the warning flag, and you could put that on the other shoulder. Sure, we can do that. But uh, again, I'm I'm at this point now where uniforms and all these changes and all that. Therefore, therefore, like when I, I love getting in arguments with my friends about Oregon has too many uniforms in college football. And I'm like, they're not for us, guys. They're not. Yeah. Remember, remember when we played high school or college football and we saw somebody come out with a new one new uniform. We're like, we want to play for that school. Because yeah. Oregon just they're doing it for everybody. So uh, with, with jerseys like this, it's it's to cast a wide net and bring people into, you know, Wow, that looks cool. Maybe I'll get a little bit more invested in this. So, uh, again, I thought that Adidas and the league did a really good job, and the teams that consulted with them did a really good job of of saying, "Okay, this is the look we're going for." And uh, you know, some teams had a uh, have a harder time changing it. Like you know, I, I poked fun at the Islanders on that one, but you know, their their uniforms really never changed. You know, Detroit's uniforms haven't changed since they came in the league. It feels like. That's the worst one to um, me. But you know, is, it's it's one of those things where you look at it and, if, <laughs> uh, you know, playing in a practice jersey, there's nothing wrong with that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but if you like the if you like the wings, you're gonna if you like the wings, you're gonna like the jersey. So, no, I'm I'm all for it. Anything that that gets people excited about uh, a team or the league, and again, I thought uh, they did a good. job job it's it's not everything's going to be a home run but I, I think from if you ranked it one to 31 more often than not they they did a, a really good job designing a new or a retro jersey uh, out of what they had to work with yeah and not a bad idea for uh some revenue for the league during the time <laughs> where you can't play games right not hey zach you might be on it you might be on to something right now <laughs> yeah um all right, I want to jump into because you know this is a thing you've done recently, and uh, jumping forward in your work for the Hurricanes, I wanted to talk a little bit about the play-by-play stuff. Obviously, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you feel awkward here. I think you're a great broadcaster. I've always been a fan of your stuff since the radio days, the 99. I absolutely loved the the uh, aftermath and everything you did before. Um, you know, you jumped into your your role now. So um, wanted to give you props for that. And I wanted to ask you about the kind of difference between like the role you did for Fox Sports Carolinas previously being that third man on the broadcast and the difference in prep and everything that it takes to be like Mm a, a play-by-play guy. That's, you know, that's, that's a lot of stuff. Any of us that have seen John Forslund's notebook before the games know that there's, there's a lot that goes into that sort of thing. So, um, you know, what, how, how's the adjustment or are you excited for that extra responsibility and all that? Oh, I'm, I'm extremely excited for it, Zach. And um, yeah, it's not something for everybody who thinks that play-by-play voices just roll up, you know, four minutes before drop of the puck and calls the game. That That is not it. There is so much that goes into it uh, and the preparation that has to go in. Uh, the fact that there are so many different things that, and everybody preps differently, but there's so many different things that you have to take into account. And what goes into a broadcast for me, uh, the biggest change, the biggest transition from the role as being the the pregame show host and then the intermission 
uh, host and then having the reporter duties, really I, I was only focusing on the Hurricanes. You know, there was some slant to the other team in my role with that, but really 99.5% of my focus was on the Hurricanes, and uh, that's where it had to be. Well, now, you know, my focus still, the majority needs to be on the Hurricanes, but I need to know the rest of the league and the other team and the pronunciation for a call-up that's coming up from, you know, an AHL squad. But you you do your homework. There is so much as far as resources at the, the fingertips for play-by-play people, uh, especially when you get to, you know, levels like the National Hockey League or Major League Baseball or the NFL. There's so much prep that's there, but you have to be willing to go in and get it. And then you have to know how to prep for – how you want to call the game or what you want to deliver. There's a, you know, the old line, and I'm sure you might've heard it. It's paralysis by analysis. Like you can, you can prep, you can truly prep too much. Uh, And I think that I've found that out a little bit. I've been fortunate in life that I've done play by play in other instances. You know, I did play by play for the ACC tournament uh, when I worked for the Virginia sports network. And then when uh, the, NC State Radio Network needed some help. The Wolfpack Sports Network needed help with the ACC basketball tournament. I was fortunate enough that they they tabbed me to do it, and you know I I was getting the the monster matchups. You know Boston College versus Clemson in the, the you know twelve nine dream scenario at nine thirty on a Wednesday, um, but that you had to prep. You know you you had to know the names and and get into it. But play by play is what I've, I've wanted to do, Zach. So. I did it in college. Of, of course, that has no comparison to uh, a professional broadcast like this. But you know, I, I knew at a Division three level how to get the names, and you know, I would work with the the sports information directors. So I've I've had the in my past the this is how you plan for a game. This is the layout. You got to get the names right. You've got to get everything set up, uh, storylines. But at, at this level, really, uh, the big help for me is Trip Tracy because all I have to do is tell folks what's going on and Tripp's got the hard job. He's got to tell you why it happened. I just have to say what's happening. Um, And when you talk about the preparation, there's a ton and it's probably, I'll put it to you this way. If there's a game on Tuesday and we're talking on Sunday, as soon as we're done with this conversation, if there's any available video or game where I can watch the opponent, I'll watch the opponent so I can know what they do, what their line combinations are. And in, in hockey, I think it's the hardest of all of the, the North American sports to broadcast because, you know, basketball, they don't switch players on and off the, the court while play is going on. You know, football, football doesn't do that. Baseball doesn't do that. Hockey, while the play is going on, players are constantly going on and off the ice. So you've got to be aware of when a change happens or – you know, is somebody in a, a different spot than what they would have been? Did somebody get injured? You, you've just so many people that you rely on. And uh, luckily that there there are spotters or you do have some statistician help up in the booth in uh, certain places that can get you the information that you need. But uh, the, the prep, I never liked doing homework, but I'm thankful that I did it. And I, my parents made me do it because uh, about 90% of, of a play-by-play job is homework. And then the 10% is what you've studied, what you know, the names, the, the watching the, the game film, the watching other games, putting it all together. And then when you get the chance to broadcast, you're judged on that 10%. 
but that 90% is what right. makes what you get judged on really a huge difference. But I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I people do not understand how hard that is. I mean, doing this and talking for 30 minutes or so and just not repeating, you know what I mean? Making a sentence that makes sense uh, is difficult. When you have to do that and accurately describe something that's going on, from your eyes to your brain to, you know, the audience, like that is, that is very difficult. And I cannot be the only one who used to play like NHL games when I was a kid and put the computer against each other and do play by play. Cause I thought it was fun. I can't be the only one that did that. And it was really hard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I had to get paid to do that, it would be a lot of work. <laughs> Well, it's it's funny because everybody asked me with uh, the playoffs and everything being in a bubble and not being able to go to Toronto, I had to call the games off of the monitor. So mm -hmm. basically what you were watching, Zach, was, that was <laughs> yeah. my feed. That's what I got to call. So I didn't have the – I don't have the luxury. And it, it's, it sounds so weird, but the luxury of watching a sporting event in three-dimension as opposed to two-dimension because your, your monitor – your TV is flat. So right. uh, like I told everybody, Tavo Teravainen standing next to Martin Natchez, I can tell who they are, no problem. But yeah. on a TV, if all I'm seeing is an eight, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's other things like how they carry, you know, how they have their stick taped or how they skate, you pick up on those things. But lots of times where if they turn quick, you're like, okay, they're the, the same height and at least on a, a TV screen. Whereas in real life, you know that there's a different size. You could pick that up really different in combinations that are there, but you could also watch players coming on and off the bench. Like it, it's so weird. Um, and by no means am I a master of this skill. I have miles and miles to go, but you can watch things that go behind the play while still knowing where the puck is like that general area. Like you could catch something quick, like somebody jumping on the bench or off of the bench, something like that. So uh, that's the big challenge. But for me, that was the eight-year-old me, you know, turning the TV off and calling the game on the TV. So I got to joke uh, if my eight-year-old self was was equipped to do this. So uh, I think I, I was a little bit better than what I was at eight or, you know, nine or ten. But I I, uh, I just had a blast doing it, and I can't wait to actually be in the rink and calling it on the TV side. I have called some radio games before in the past when there was, a you know, an overlap with the broadcast because of the simulcast. So uh, I don't have a great track record against the Washington Capitals. So that doesn't make me happy, but uh, against, against the New York teams, I'm seven and oh. So, I mean, I, I think that's, and I don't, you know, who keeps, who keeps stats or things like that? Not I, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, you know, so it's just something to, to have at your, your fingertips there to, to know that you've done it before that you have the, the opportunity to do it. And, you know, you just get better every single day. And, and the TV dynamic does make, I think, play-by-play -play a little bit different because for me, I had radio in my head. Like, you've got to call it this way, Zach. You, you know, the puck's in the corner. Whereas on TV, and being a simulcast, I, I, I want to make sure that the people who are listening, you know, who are in the car listening or listening on radio, you know, can't watch it on TV, that we're not, you know, you're not going to shortchange them. And I think that's what... Uh, John did so well. He did a, a great job of that transition. Like if you were listening to a radio feed, very rarely would you notice it was a call for TV. But for TV, you don't have to call as much. Right. You know, you can just say where the puck is. People who are watching at home, their eyes know what's going on. So you don't have to fill 
every single second uh, of air with a word, you can let it breathe a little bit. So uh, that's that's going to be you know it's something I have to learn, but it's also going to be something that's very helpful moving forward. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I'm I'm very very happy for you that you know this is something that you've wanted to do and got the chance to do um, because you know I think I speak for everyone around the organization that um, you're you're a popular guy, so we're all rooting for you for sure. Um, I do have a question here from my friend Christina, who is apparently the question master of the world because she asks all the questions every live stream I do, which is great. Thank you, Christina. Uh, she wants to know what your pregame meal of choice is before a game. And Ooh. Bill Berniston can turn this one off if there's any way he's listening to this, you know. Oh, yeah. Let's, he didn't mean. <laughs> yeah sorry, Bill. Uh, but Bill's going to like this because I don't have a pregame meal when I'm calling a game. Ah. I don't I don't do it. Um it, it sounds weird. Um, it's funny because I would when I was doing the the pregame and, and being the host like that. But for play-by-play and, and a call like that, one, you don't have as much freedom to move around as you do when you're the in-game reporter. Like I could tell the producer, uh, our producer, Jim Malia, if I was the reporter, I'm like, hey, I, I need five minutes. So don't, you know, <laughs> that thing yeah. we're talking about, can, that can wait. Uh, rarely, if ever, did that happen. But um, play by play, like, I just don't want to take the chance of uh, eating something or drinking something that can come back to, to haunt me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and like, I am a, a huge, uh, no plug for this, but I'm a, a huge Coke Zero fan. Uh, but I try not to drink anything carbonated before a broadcast because, yeah, you, you don't want you don't want hiccups and, and anything like that. So it's a great question, Christina. Uh, but for, for me, there is no pregame meal. I'll have lunch, but I, there won't. There's right. not like, you know, lunch is like whatever's available at that point. It, it doesn't matter. Whatever's whatever's nearest is what I'll have. So, yeah. but there's no, there's no like, uh, you know, chicken parm or anything like that where the players have their, their routine. Nothing like that for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's water, and coffee. water and coffee. That's usually it. So get you, that'll get you through. Is there a, <laughs> is there a post game like celebratory? We made it through the game meal or are you just, you just winding down after that. <laughs> Um, I'm just winding down after that. Um, it also depends on, depends on what time the game's over. Uh, you know, right. at, at my size, I don't need to be eating at uh, at 11:15 <laughs> at night. So, uh, you know, my doctor would probably be uh, not happy with that. But yeah, if I mean, if there is, I mean, certainly if there's a, a celebratory meal, sure, I'm I'm for that. And uh, nothing wrong with a nothing wrong with a good ribeye steak every now and again. Yeah. So I hope that answers Christina's question. And Bill Bill Berniston will be texting me in three, two, and <laughs> one. Hi, Bill. There Thank it you is. very much. Maybe a storm brew or two after the game, right? <laughs> yes. Now, now we can absolutely one hundred percent agree. I, I was gonna, I was gonna go. A victory beverage is usually more in line, Zach. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Smart man. Um, all right. Thank well. You. The only the only other thing I had to ask you is because we mentioned it earlier. It's got to be it's got to be fun, and there's a lot of words I could choose, but fun is the one that comes to the mind. Working next to a guy like Trip Tracy, is it not? Oh, it's it's an absolute <laughs> blast. If if you don't enjoy being next to Trip, you know that's that's one of those things where um, for me to to actually now have gone through it, uh, the the amount of times I have 
he's just an excellent partner. And I'm sure you've been asked about it and I get it a lot. But the answer is what he is on air is what he is. There's no switch that goes off and he's somebody different off the air. That's just who he is. And uh, I mean, he makes it fun. And it for me, it's great because I, I got to be on my toes a little bit because you'll hear him say something. And uh, I can joke because we had a, a cut in during the, the playoffs and it was the, the Liberty commercials that we've all seen, you know, with Limu, Emu and, and Doug. And he goes, is that Val Kilmer? And I'm looking at him like, it looks nothing like Val Kilmer. And my, my only thought was, have you seen Val Kilmer lately? You know, no, but then it, what it did is it created, it was, it was a really good icebreaker. And then we had a little something to go, you know, back and forth uh, during when those, <laughs> those cut-ins would come through. But he's, I think what people don't, get Zach. And, and the one thing that hopefully uh, will, and I think it's starting to come across is his hockey knowledge is unbelievable. And in particular for the goaltending position, like he sees things that goaltenders do and he picks up on it right away. There, There's no, he's got to wait to see it again. Like he knows right away if a goaltender is too deep or has, you know, drifted a little bit out of position, like off of the post and he's also just well liked around the league. Like the every place you go, people know Trip. People like Trip. My joke is he's never met a stranger. You know, everybody becomes a friend of, of Trips in, in five yeah. seconds. Yeah. He does. Uh, but it is uh, for for the role that that I have now. Uh, I I would be hard pressed to find you know a, a better partner. And and I'm I've been lucky in the organization because the pregame show I get to work next to Shane Willis, and I will be biased on this. There is nobody better to co-host a pregame show with than Shane Willis. So as far as analysts and, and just great people, uh, to have Shane and, and Trip in this organization, I, I hope the fans appreciate it because they are they take a backseat to no one when it comes to talking the game, having a passion about the game, having a great sense of humor, not only you know just overall but at themselves. But then they're able to translate – a game that for people, let's face it, 95% of the people who watch have never played hockey or played right. played ice hockey at a, a solid, you know, at a solid level. And they both do a great job of communicating it. This is what happens. This is what to look for. And they don't dumb it down, but they're also not doing the elitist kind of, well, you wouldn't understand it anyway. They just explain the game. And I think right. that to me, uh, just to circle back to it, that's what makes it fun working for Trip. That and then waiting for a reference to come out of somewhere yeah. uh, that that he and I can have fun with. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Trip's great. And to to a couple of your points, one for the fact that he's able to pick up on so many things in his hockey knowledge. If yep. if you don't believe that, I would just say next time you watch a Hurricanes broadcast, which hopefully is very soon, um, yes. look at how many things Trip brings up during the game before anything has happened. Look at how many times that becomes a that becomes a storyline. Yep. Not because he made it one, but because he's able to pick up on these things and kind of predict things even before. The knowledge you have to have to do that is, I mean, overwhelming. You have to yeah. know the game so well to be able to to pick up on that stuff. So that's a, I mean, that is, he's not just a great personality. Like he is very, very good 
at um, what he does in that color analyst position. Yeah. And the second thing I wanted to say was that Shane Willis, that guy just looks like he's supposed to be on TV. Does he not? Yeah. Oh, he, he is North America. He's North America's heartthrob. Uh, no, he's, uh, I, I joke. I joke because I get so mad at Shane because uh, when we work together, it's like he'll he'll come in with a new suit and I'm like, where'd you get that? He's like, oh, I just bought it off the rack. And it was like it's tailored for him. Everything's yeah. perfect. You know. He shaves at nine o'clock in the morning, but like by the time we do the pregame show, the stubble's perfect. No, yeah. uh, Shane is Shane is a Shane is a just a great guy. And uh, the one thing, uh, and I know that Abby is going to find out working with with Shane is, is he could make it all about himself, and he doesn't. He is so good at playing off of uh, the co-host, and, and you know. His thing is, if you know, if we all, if we win, it doesn't matter what you know he gets to say or do. But no, he definitely has the matinee idol looks. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, <laughs> yeah, makes you know makes makes life easy for me. People, people just you know they got to stare at Shane and not have to <laughs> stare at me. That's a win. So. <laughs> You're too hard on yourself, Mike. But yeah, my hair still, my hair still though. So I'm working on, yeah, working on that. I did so not, that hasn't I did not anywhere. get That's those jeans. I've got that uh the 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 Webb's Michael Smith that was uh, not <laughs> hair jeans. So <laughs> by the way, by the way, that is that is not a that is not a slight no, I, at I uh, at anybody who uh, is without follicles. In fact, I, I'm a little jealous because the the prep it takes to try to get this to look anywhere near decent, really the payoff's not there. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. I don't regret it. My hair was just uh, a pain. I'd rather I'd rather just take the razor to it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Mike. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Um, we're just rolling through the Fox Sports Carolinas people. I mean, we had Abby Labar. We've got you. I'm hopeful to get Trip on at some point. Um, and I'm gonna definitely have to reach out to to, sh- to good guy Shane and try to get him on at some point too. Um, thanks so much for for taking the time and uh, you know spending a, f- a few minutes talking about hockey and nonsense with me. <laughs> Absolutely, Zach. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully when the season gets going, just uh, ask me back. Be more than happy to join. Awesome. Thanks so much. And thank you guys for watching. Um, We'll catch you after the holiday. Have a great Thanksgiving.